Good morning. It is good to be here this, with you today, and it's good to be here in a uh, little different circumstances, and I'll explain that. Uh, last year, like, like this year, uh, Richie and Vince and Thurman and I uh, each took a Sunday and uh, would preach in December, in our December summer, sermon, sermon series. And on the day that I preached, uh, last year, almost 364 days ago, um, I, we had just baptized one of our teens. And so I was convinced that I was pretty much dry. After coming, I came out unscathed. I didn't get wet or anything. I was pretty dry. But when uh, we were taking the Lord's Supper, my family and I would come over here to the, the kind of the alcove over here. And I, I told my wife, I, I don't know why, but I feel wet. I feel like I'm a little bit wet. And I kind of asked her, can you, can you check? Because I feel it's like in this back region. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you're a lot wet. <laughs> and I had a rather large wet spot on my pants in this general vicinity. So, I, but I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was, I was really just dumbfounded. I was like, oh, okay. Didn't know what I was going to do because I was about to preach. But I was like, okay. So we finished the Lord's Supper, we went back to the seat, and I, and I looked down, and I see my wife's insulated coffee cup had turned over in the seat, and I'd been sitting in it, so that explained the, the wet spot on my pants. Uh, again, three minutes to go up before I'm about to preach, and uh, I think I gave Katie a very angry look. And it was like, I'm not sitting down. So I, went, I just went to the st- straight back. Um, and I thought, I'm just going to... And I went through the motion. Okay, do I, do I address it? Do I ignore it? Do I hope no one notices? So I, I went with hope no one notices. But I decided, I'm going to stand here. I'm not going to walk around like I normally walk around. And then one time, I, we had a verse on the screen. And so I turned and started reading. And I was like, nope, not going to do that anymore. Because <laughs> didn't know what this side of the audience was seeing. So it's good to be dry, and it's good for the situation to be different today. How much, how much does it cost? You ever say those words? When I presented a request to my parents, I usually got the response of, well, how much does it cost? Uh, and that's the answer, or the, the question at least I ask my children is, how much does it cost? And no doubt, when my kids have kids, they'll be asking that question as well. How much does it cost? Because everything has a cost. Everything has a a price tag, doesn't it? Sometimes we're surprised at how little something costs, Uh, but lately I've been really surprised at how much much everything costs. Uh, Gas and medical expenses and food. You know, when, when the price is for something is high, it gives us pause. We have to think about the trade-off. We have to think about the value versus the cost. Is what I'm getting really worth what I'm paying? Which leads me to ask, how, how much is too much for you? Have you ever said, oh, I would never pay that much? That's, that's entirely too much. Sure. We all have, right? Especially Especially now, we can't almost afford to leave the house. Like Katie and I have said, let's just stay in today and try not to spend money. 
But then I realized, well, there is Grubhub, and there's Netflix, and so I'm, I'm managing to still spend, spend money without even going anywhere. But I'm not sure I'll ever reach a point in my life when I'll just purchase something without wanting to know the cost. I may, I may look at it and say, well, that looks nice, that looks useful, but I, I still want to know how much. I will always, always look at the price tag. Because the price tag is important. It's, it's important to know the cost. As, as Claude mentioned, we're in a series called Why Jesus Came. And today I want to I remind you probably something you already know, something we've been singing about today. But Jesus came to redeem. What does that mean exactly? What does it mean to redeem? It's not really a word we use all that much these days. And if we do use redeem, we may, we may associate it with things like redeeming a coupon or redeem, redeeming uh, airline miles or credit card points or even those little redemption ticket things at the arcade when you play those games. But in those examples, it, it loses the, the meaning of the word. Because with a coupon, you get some of the money back, right? Some of that value is back in your pocket. And with airline miles and credit card points, you're, you're really just getting back what you've already earned. And when it comes to those little game tickets, uh, redeeming those is hardly worth it when you see just how many thousands of tickets it takes to buy something. So no, it, it, it means more than that. Redeeming means more than that. Webster will tell us that to redeem means to buy back or win back. To free from captivity or from what harms. To change for the better. To restore. To atone for. These are the true meanings of the word redeem. And that's why Jesus, as we sang this morning, is our great redeemer. In fact, that's one of the Hebrew names of God. The redeemer. It comes from the word goel. But, and and the, the root word goel is, is used in scripture in specific situations, like regarding a righteous man, what a righteous man would do for his kinsmen. One of which is to free an Israelite who has sold himself into slavery during times of poverty. Let's read from Leviticus 25. If a foreigner residing among you becomes rich and any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to the foreigner or to a member of the foreigner's clan, they retain the right of redemption. After they have sold themselves, one of their relatives may redeem them. Kind of sounds familiar. The, the situation like described here in Leviticus, through our, through our free will and through our own doing, we have sold ourselves to a foreigner to heaven. Satan is not a citizen of heaven, at least not anymore, right? He's a foreigner to heaven. And we have traded ourselves to Satan and became slaves of sin. Isaiah 52 says, For this is what the Lord says, You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. Considering what we sold ourselves for, it's nothing compared to what God has in store for us. We've traded ourselves and our, our, our priorities and our values for what? 
temporary possessions, temporary riches, temporary pleasures. If, if, God, if we could see things as, as God sees them, if we could see all of eternity ahead of you, would you really care about that much stuff? Of course not. We wouldn't trade temporary things for eternal life. We sold ourselves for nothing. But thank the Lord that what was once gone could be restored. The, the price for freedom could be paid, and that's what Jesus came to do, to pay the ransom, to buy back that which was in captivity. Let's go to Romans chapter 3. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely through His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Because of God's law, we, we recognize and we are convicted of our sin. We, and we also recognize we have no way of paying that debt. Not until Jesus came. Christ redeemed us from, from sin with his blood that was shed on the cross. And again, we, we look back at, we looked at the first part of this verse earlier, but this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing. And without money, you will be redeemed. And in First Peter, for you know that it was not with perishable things, like silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. Or defect. It's not with money that we were bought back, it's with Christ's blood sacrificed. Because the law required the shedding of blood from a flawless sacrifice. And Jesus became that lamb. He became the lamb of God who was perfect and without sin. Only, only he could be the one who would meet the criteria to serve as an atoning sacrifice. And as just of all, all have fallen short, all are justified by the redemption Christ brings us. He came to save us. He came to save us from our sins. He came to save us from ourselves. Have you ever done that? Have you ever saved anyone from themselves? We do it with our kids, right? We say, don't touch that. Don't put that in your mouth. Don't, don't, don't climb on that. And maybe we do that with our, our friends and maybe older family, right? To say, well, I wouldn't do that if I were you. That doesn't seem like a good idea to me. Jesus saved us from ourselves. Not, not from our sin just by telling us, hey, I wouldn't do that. But by, by dying in our place. Why would he do that? Galatians 4 tells us that, but when the set time had finally come, 
God sent His Son, born of a woman, un- born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. You are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since, and since you are God's child, God has also made you an heir. So why, why did He redeem us? So that I could become His child. So that you could become His child. And in being a child of God, we have an inheritance that is truly worth receiving. Jesus came to redeem us from the sin that we, we sold ourselves to so that we could become children of God. So, what's our response? How do we respond? I want to suggest four ways this morning. Response number one, we return with thankfulness. Let's look at Psalm 107, verses 1 and 8. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His unfailing love and His wonderful deeds for mankind. Perhaps you, you've, you've been in a, a drive through line for a restaurant and somebody paid for your meal ahead of you. Or you've been sitting at a restaurant and, and, and you go up to pay the bill or you try to give them your card or your cash and they say it's already been taken care of. The bill has been paid. Doesn't happen a lot. It's rare. But when it does, there, there's this, this sense of gratitude. Right? Thank you so much for paying my debt. Thank you so much for, for paying what I owed. Our, our first response to Christ's redeeming sacrifice is returning with overwhelming praise and gratitude for what He's done for us. Response number two. We recognize just how valuable we are. So often we, we tell ourselves or we allow others to tell us that we are worthless, that we are not valuable, that we have nothing to offer, nothing to contribute, that it would be better off if we just weren't here, weren't around. And I want you to know that's not God's view. That's not how He sees you. But Bruce, how do you know that? It's simple. He paid for you. He paid for you. When I was little, and even now actually, I didn't like the picking of teams. Uh, I, I want the teams to be even, but I don't like to be the one to pick who's going to be on the teams because I've been on the receiving end of that, right? I've been last, and I've been first, and so I, I don't want people to feel less valued when they get picked later on. But you have to admit, there is this joy when you get picked. Oh, you want me? There's this joy when you get picked because you feel valued that you've been chosen. And folks, you've not only been chosen, but you've been paid for. God took it one step farther in ensuring that we could be His children by establishing payment for our sins. I mean, do we need any more evidence that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us dearly? In, in the teen class, uh, I'll talk about how 
Katie and I have chosen each other, and we continue to choose to be with each other. And that means something, that she has chosen to be with me, and that she's willing to to pay the price for being with me. And trust me, she's paid the price for being with me. We're not only picked to be in God's family, but we're also paid for. And, you know, when I think about buying and, and payments, the idea of buyer's remorse can come up, right? When you, when, you, when you purchase something and then you're like, oh, man, what did I do? I'll feel that way sometimes with a really big purchase, a car, house. I'm like, did I, did I make the right decision? God doesn't have buyer's remorse. You know, you may have heard the phrase, God don't make junk. I'm going to adapt that and say, God, don't buy junk, right? He wouldn't purchase something that is worthless or useless or hopeless. No, the Lord knew what he was doing, and he knew it was worth the cost. You know, despite all that we've done and all that we're we're going to do, the Lord chose to send his son, and, and Jesus chose to go to the cross for our sins, Again, there really should be no doubt just how much God loves you and values you. God does not have buyer's remorse. He does not regret that exchange. So that that means that you must, you must be valuable. You must mean something. And not only something, you are worth dying for. We've said that phrase a couple of times over the weeks. I hope that's sinking in, but you are worth dying for this is something I I want our teenagers to know every time when I try to when I end my class that I'm teaching I I try to say the same phrase every time you're his you're loved and what you do matters I believe those words and and I want our teens to believe them too you can know that you are valuable because God paid the ransom for you. Response number three. We refuse to let fear take a hold in our lives. Go to Isaiah 43. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You see, fear grabs hold of us and tells us all kinds of lies. And that was actually the subject matter of our our retreat, uh, our area-wide middle school retreat last weekend, that, that fear lies to us. Fear tells us that we can't, we don't, and I'm not. But God responds by saying, He will, He does, and He is. Because we've been purchased back from sin, we don't have to let the the fear of sin and death get to us anymore. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We've, we've been redeemed, 
And no longer should we let fear have, have a foothold in our lives. Last one. Response number four. We retell our story. We'll go back to Psalm 107. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those He redeemed from the hand of the foe, those He gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. We tell our story of redemption, our story of being saved, our story of hope. We tell that to everyone. As, as Daryl said, we've got good news. And actually, we've got the best news, right? Things are different. Let's share that to the east and the west and the north and the south. Let's tell our story of redemption. Price tag is important. It's, it's important to know what, what the cost is. Because when we, when we know the price for something is high... It gives us pause. So I don't want to hastily skim over this, that Christ came to redeem us, to buy us back from sin and death. And that price was a hefty one, but again, God doesn't have buyer's remorse. He doesn't regret that at all. So we respond by returning with gratitude. We respond by recognizing just how much God values you and me. Let us refuse to let fear take a hold of us. And let's retell our story of how Christ paid our ransom. If you need the, the prayers of this congregation, if you want to respond to God's grace and God's redemption, uh, our shepherds will be available in, in the back and in the front and we invite you to meet with them as we stand and as we sing.